Praise the Lord. How are we doing this afternoon? Um, it has been quite a week. Um, I'm sure that uh, for a lot of us, uh, I think we've been hearing the news about all the things that have been going on in the city, surrounding area, the nation over this past week. Um, I myself was also caught up in it a bit. It, it, it's real funny how part of your mind, your mind will say to you, this is not good, and this could really go bad, but, uh, but your spirit, my spirit was just at peace, and, it, and it's like my spirit would allow my head to be fearful, and, uh, and, uh, and I think uh, God's good. I say that not necessarily for dramatic effect or for my message, but I understand in the word that I'm about to bring this afternoon, sometimes as a preacher, when you preach these type of words, you do it so at risk of somehow there being a sentiment that you're out of touch with the reality of what's going on. And I want you to know I do so, I preach this message not necessarily not having uh, understood or feel or experienced it, but I do so as a response to what's happening. Amen. And... Uh, and as such, um, I think the Lord changed my message a bit this this, uh, this Sunday. I'm still I'm still in Ruth, but I'm not necessarily preaching what in order what I thought I was going to preach. So it just God sort of switched a bit up a bit, and I think it'll be not only relevant for us in the context of what's happening, but I think it's a good word for us personally also. Amen. So with that being said, I would invite you to open your Bibles to, to the book, book of Ruth, chapter number 3. Uh, I'll read verses 1 through 11. It's fresh off the oven, so through 11, then I'll read 13 and 14. Let me do this. I want to pray then. I just want to jump into the message. Is that Okay. So let me rewind. I want us to pray. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to begin. I think it'll flow, as I'm, it'll flow better that way. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for this moment, my God. We don't take your, the access to your presence for granted. My God, we thank you, my God, that, that, my God, that you are a God who speaks, my God. You don't just speak, my God, when things are good. You speak into the darkness. You speak, my God, into the storm, my God, and we just thank you, my God. May the effect of your word, my God, be felt right now in every storm and every darkness now. Father God, we thank you that when you speak, my God, my God, things don't just happen in our ears, things happen in our lives, and we pray, Father God, for your word, my God, to really be life, my God, and I pray as I Open up my mouth to declare this word, my God, that though it be my mouth moving, may be your spirit that is speaking into every life, into every heart, my God. My God, you know what to speak into. You know what to touch, my God. And I just pray that, uh, Father God, that you use the words of my lips now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young woman you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, 
Wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. So much there, but I'm not doing that this Sunday. (laughs) Verse 5, and she said to her, all that you say to me I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown me kind, more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Verse 13. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she laid his feet until morning, and she rose before one could recognize her. Then he said, do not let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. I want to go back to verse number 8. It says, Now it happened at midnight that that the man was startled and turned to himself. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself. I want to talk to you from the subject, It Happened at Midnight. Tell your neighbor and tell them it happened at midnight. It happened at midnight. It has been preached that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I have preached that before. It's a good preaching. I love to preach it. It sounds good, gets the crowd active and excited and expectant. And we have heard that preaching. And so we endure our night waiting for God to come through for us in the morning. But what do you say to a God that makes it happen at midnight? See, sometimes just when you think you got the timing of God down and you understand God's methodology, God will change things around on you and do things for you at times that you didn't expect for him to do it. And the Bible says that, that Ruth felt Boaz turn himself. Not, he didn't wake up in the morning, but he woke up at midnight. It's not the normal time you would wake up. But every so often, God will do something at midnight. 
And I don't know who this word is for, but I know things sometimes may seem a little dark. I know you've been holding on, waiting for the morning to come, but I feel something turning at midnight. Tell your neighbor again, tell them it's going to happen at midnight. There's a testimony rising in my spirit that God is about to turn something around at midnight. Somebody testify to your neighbor, get ready for a midnight move. No, you, no you, 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 you're just telling them to preach to them. Help me preach to them and tell them, get ready. Get ready for a midnight move. Every so often, God will change the game and do at midnight. After 400 years of bondage in Egypt, and God comes to deliver his people from the hand of Pharaoh, and God sent plague after plague after plague, and after nine plague, Pharaoh still refuses to let the people go. Uh, and have you ever faced something in your life that just seems that it wouldn't let go of you? Uh, that a chain that somehow refused to break, a condition that refuses to change. You, 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 in fact, that's what the woman with the issue of blood, she, she was facing an issue that just no matter how many doctors she saw and no matter how many things she tried and no matter how many times she, she tried to be set free, that somehow she was just facing a condition that felt like it just would not change. And sometimes you, it almost feels like you're going to break free from it, and, and it feels like, like, like you're about to overcome it. But just when it feels like you're about to break free, here it comes back again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we, we encounter what I would call stubborn pharaohs. Stubborn pharaohs. We all have a stubborn pharaoh in our life. A pharaoh that won't let go in. After all the other pharaohs had let go, this one for some reason, just no matter what, how many times I think I get breakthrough, no matter how many times I get my hand, the hands laid upon me, no matter how much oil I pour upon it, somehow the pharaoh does not want to let go. That's what it feels like even right now, what we experience this week. It's just a stubborn pharaoh. A stubborn pharaoh. Just when you thought you, 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 you were moving forward, here comes the pharaoh again. It's a stubborn pharaoh, and, and, and you begin to wonder if things will ever change, and will, will I ever be free of this? Nine plagues, and pharaoh wouldn't yield. But God comes to Moses, and he tells Moses, Moses, get the people ready, because I'm about to come with a final plague, one final plague. And he, and he told he, he told Moses, he says, around midnight, around midnight, I'm going to come upon the land and visit the land with a final plague. And when I visit the, this land with the land with this final plague at midnight, the thing that would not break for, for over 400 years is about to break at midnight. Tell your neighbor and tell them it happened at midnight. It happened at midnight. Paul and Silas were arrested and severely beaten and they were put in jail for preaching the gospel and the Bible says they were put in the inner cell 
the inner cell, the darkest part of the prison, the, not only the darkest part, but the smelliest part because, because history sort of tells us that that was the place where they would put prisoners when they wanted to punish them even more because that was the place where their sewers ran through the town and they put him in the inner prisons and the Bible says while they were there at the inner prisons around midnight they began to sing hymns and pray to the Lord and the Bible says the other prisoners were listening and suddenly everybody say suddenly there was a violent earthquake and that the foundations of the prison were shaken God is about to shake the foundations of your bondages. There are some bondages that feel like they just keep coming, but God said, I'm about to shake the foundations of it. I'm about to pull it out by the roots. And the Bible says that around midnight, there was an earthquake and all the prison doors, not just their prison doors, but all the prison doors came open. Everyone's chains came loose. Because when God sometimes gets ready to move in your life, he will move in such a significant way that not only will it break your bondages free, but it will set free the people around you. It will set free everything else around you because God doesn't want just to set you free. He wants to set everything around you free. Everyone's chains came loose. And by the way, it happened at midnight. Tell your neighbor again, it happened at midnight. Oh, God, every so often he moves at midnight. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus was describing his return, he gave the parable of the virgins, in the, of the ten virgins. And the Bible says that Jesus said there were ten virgins and who were waiting for the bridegroom. And the bridegroom was, it took a time coming. And, 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 and the, the virgins wondered if the bridegroom would ever come. And the Bible says they had fallen asleep. But Jesus says, around midnight, there came a cry saying, behold, the bridegroom comes awaken." And I just feel in my spirit that God, that this word is your midnight cry to wake up your faith and wake up your hope and wake up your dreams because God is about to do something in your midnight. Tell, him, tell your neighbor again, it says, it happens at midnight. It happens at midnight. Ruth chapter 3, it tells us what happened at midnight. Ruth chapter 4 tells us what Boaz did in the morning. In the morning, Boaz goes to the city gates. He gathers the elders of the town together. And he takes up the cause of Ruth. Tell your neighbor and tell them God is about to take up your calls. Yeah, he's about to take up your calls. Yeah, he's about to take up your calls. God is going to take up your calls before his presence. He's going to take up the call, your calls before your enemy. He's going to take up your calls in the darkness. He said he, said, he, he, he took up Ruth's calls and he begins to talk to the elders about Ruth and about her issue, and not only to redeem her, but redeem everything pertaining to her life and redeeming everything that belongs to her. Because when God redeems you, he doesn't just redeem a part of you. He redeems all of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He redeems all of you. And so he, he, he's taking up her cause, 
at the, at the city gates. But what everyone in chapter 4 does not know is that everything that is happening in the morning at the gate in chapter 4 is a result of what happened at midnight in chapter 3. It's just a truck. Don't worry. <laughs> the devil's a liar. By the way, I didn't talk to the worship team. All the songs they were singing, they had no idea what I was preaching today. And so, but they don't know that everybody in chapter 4 at the gates does not, they don't realize that everything that is happening in the morning in chapter 4 is a product of what happened at midnight in chapter 3. And all the people at the gate saw was the favor at the gate in the morning. They weren't there to see what would happen at midnight in chapter 3. And what I'm trying to say is that what appeared to some to be a morning breakthrough really wasn't a morning breakthrough. But it was really a midnight breakthrough. Because what happened in the morning didn't start in the morning. What happened in the morning began at midnight. And what I'm here to tell you is that, that, that you're waiting on morning. But I'm here to let you know that the morning is happening right now. That in the middle, at the, at the midnight hour, is when, when Boaz says, your matter is done. Do not be afraid. Because, because I have taken up your cause. And I will do for you all that you ask. Now you can rest. Because it's finished. Tell your neighbor and say, it's finished. Not in the morning. The morning is just when everybody saw it. But it was really finished at midnight. Tell your neighbor, say, it happened at midnight. It reminds me of when Israel had crossed the Red Sea. And you know one of my favorite movies, I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen this movie or not, but it was one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up, The Ten Commandments. How many of you remember The Ten Commandments? Okay, how many of you have ever seen Prince of Egypt? Okay, some... Okay, huh? It's a good. I, I I'm old school. I I I like the I like the old the old Ten Commandments. And and growing up in the states, every Easter, they would show the Ten Commandments. Different generation, different time. You know they wouldn't be showing that movie now, but back then every Easter. Do you remember this, Jesse? They showed the Ten Commandments, and I looked forward to the Ten. It was like a ritual. Every Easter, you get to watch the Ten Commandments. And, and, but it was a long movie, too. It was about three hours long. Sometimes they had to break it up into two parts because it was just long. But I watched that movie just for one scene. And that scene is when Moses stretches out his staff over the Red Sea. You know that? And, and, and he stretches out his staff over the Red Sea, and, he's, and, and he says, Behold, he says, the, the hand of God. And, and he stretches out, and then, and then the waters go, Phew! The waters part, and, 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 and to me it was so exciting. And, and, and back then it was amazing graphics. I, I, I was gonna, I tried to, to YouTube that scene, and I looked at the graphics, and I said they're gonna be so unimpressed <laughs> with this scene. I didn't want to show it, but but for for that time that was amazing graphics, and you just waited for that epic moment of the parting of the Red Sea. 
and that, that scene was so instilled in my heart and mind that every time I thought about the Exodus, that was the scene that came to me. But I realized that, that you know, when I became more of a student of the word and I began to notice the subtle details of the word is that, that though that's what happened in the movie, that's not what happened in reality. And in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, the Bible says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. That part they got right. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. They got that right. All that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. In other words, the splitting of the Red Sea was not this sudden moment that you, we see in the movie. But rather, it was a, the parting of the Red Sea was a process of God driving back the sea all night long. And, and, and at first when I read it, to be honest, I was a bit disappointed. Because I was like, you mean it didn't happen suddenly? Because I like the suddenly messages. I like the suddenly preachings. I don't, I don't want to talk about process. And process is a little bit anticlimactic, you know. No one, no one does a series on process because it will be the lowest attended series in the history of, of church. And, and I like the sudden things. But, but, but then I got excited. Do you know why? For two reasons. Number one, it, 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 is, it is to the truth of what I'm going through. That, that sometimes, because if I don't know it's a process, sometimes I will think that there's something wrong with me when I'm not experiencing the suddenlies. And, and, and I think there's maybe something wrong with my faith, and maybe I sinned, or maybe God doesn't like me, or maybe favor is not working in my life. I think that there's something, but knowing that it's a process helps me to further recognize God's hand in my life. Secondly, I like the fact that the Bible says that, 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 that God was driving the waters back all night long because it tells me that God is not afraid to work in the darkness. That, that he's not afraid of the darkness. Tell your neighbor, say, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of the darkness. In fact, in fact, in fact God, God somehow, he's not, he, the Bible says, in fact, in Genesis, this most oddest passage, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, and darkness was over the face of the deep. It's not the type of scenery that you expect to find God in, but you serve a God who is not afraid to work in the darkness. And, I, and, 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 and it gets me joyful that, that when I look at my darkness, that God is not afraid to work in my darkness. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And that, that's, that's good. But you know what, what, what really captured my attention? Here, here, here's the part that got me. So the Bible says that God was driving the sea back with a strong east wind. Yes? But when I was looking at the little, you know, you had, you had the little maps in the Bible, and I was looking at Egypt, and I was looking at Egypt in the, in the context of the Red Sea, and I realized something, that coming out of Egypt, they would have been on the west side of the Red Sea. So they're on the west side of the Red Sea, yes? Which side are they on? But which way is the wind blowing? God is driving back the waters 
through a strong east wind, which means the waters didn't start parting on their side of the Red Sea. The waters started parting on the other side of the sea. Why, why did God do that? Do you, do you remember with the testimony, the Bible says they walked on dry ground? If God would have started it on their side, the waters would have opened, but they would have sank in the mud. But because he started on this side, by the time it got to them, the ground was dry. But, but here's the thing. This was happening at night. Which means that here's Moses. He says, everybody, don't be afraid. Stand still. And you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And they saw nothing. Nothing. And, 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 and if I'm the people, I'm looking like, Moses, I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> Nothing's happening. <laughs> and he says, don't worry. And all the people are waiting and waiting and waiting. And nothing's happening. But what they don't know is on the other side, the wind is... The, the, the wind is blowing, driving back the sea, driving back the sea. They don't see anything, but all night long. I don't know who this word is for, but the wind is blowing. You may not see it, but the wind is blowing. You may not see anything. Everything may look dark. And you prayed and you thought nothing was happening. And you, you stretched out your faith. You stretched out your hope. And, you, and you're looking and you feel foolish because nothing's happening. But I'm here to tell you on the other side, God is blowing. The, the wind is blowing. Driving back the sea. Driving back the obstacle. Making a way where there is no way. Making a path in the wilderness. Tell your neighbor and tell them the wind is blowing. The wind is blowing. There is a wind that is blowing. Hallelujah. The wind is blowing. They can't see it. They can't see it. But if you listen, if you listen in the night, you'll hear. You may not hear, you may not see anything, but you'll hear it before you see it. You'll hear it before you see it. And the Bible says every word of God is God-breathed. And I'm here to tell you that this is the wind blowing. This is the wind blowing. That this is the wind blowing in your situation. This is the wind blowing in the darkness. Hallelujah. They couldn't see anything. But all night long, all night long, breakthroughs on the way. It's on the way. Tell your neighbors it's on the way. It's on the way. I know it looks dark, but it's on the way. I know you don't see anything, but I'm here to tell you it's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. Get ready. Get ready. It's on the way. Breakthrough is on. The, the wind is blowing. The waters are parting. I know it's not like how you imagined it would happen, but I'm here to let you know that you need to trust God way, God's ways above your ways. The wind is blowing, and breakthrough is coming to you. But I said all this to say this. It blew all night, 
And when everybody woke up in the morning, they saw that the waters that were there in the evening were not there in the morning. But what looked like a morning breakthrough to them was not a morning breakthrough. It didn't happen in the morning. It was happening all night long. Tell your neighbor and tell them again, it happened at midnight. It happened at midnight. It happened at midnight. You're waiting on God to do it in the morning, but it's happening right now. I'm telling you, it's happening right now. How can you say that with all of the chaos going on? And that, and that's the thing. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing. Because it's funny how sometimes the trouble feels more real than what God is doing. Because they couldn't see what God was doing. They could see Pharaoh and the army. If you remember, the Bible says they went out chasing them. So they, they see the army coming to this side and the water is on this side and they're trapped between the two things. And that's why someone you feel, you just feel, how am I going to get out of this? And where is the breakthrough going to come from? And, and, and God said he's going to move in your life, but you're looking over there and nothing is moving. But, but the enemy seems to be moving. And, and, and it feels so close. And it feels, this feels so much more real. And, that, and, and, and that's the thing about, about it. But it's funny how God would do it because he, everything that God did, sometimes it doesn't make sense in the moment. But it only makes sense in hindsight. Sometimes you always have to realize that the people who are going through it don't have the benefit of knowing the end of the story. And, and, the, and the Bible says that, 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 that God allowed Pharaoh to chase them because he said that the, the Egyptians you see today, you shall see no more. And God says, I'm, I'm about to close the door. I'm about to close a chapter of the enemy's dealings in your life. You may, ha you may have other fights, but you will not face this fight anymore. How many of you are ready for a new fight? I I'm ready for a new fight. There, there's going to be always a fight, but I'm tired of dealing with the old fight. I'm ready, I'm ready to deal with some new fights. I'm ready to, I, I, I'm not, I, I've lived long enough to know that, there is, that, that this breakthrough doesn't mean there's not going to be any struggles in front of me. Right? Right? Oh, come on. You, don't make me lie preach to you. Happy. You, we, we all know that, 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 yeah, you'll get breakthrough here. Doesn't mean that there's going to be, not be struggles ahead of you, but I'm just ready for new struggles. That was in my notes, just. Whew. It happened at midnight. It didn't happen in the morning. It happened in the midnight. You saw, you saw it in the morning. You saw it in the morning. And I realized that so many of the things that feel sudden are not really sudden. Do you understand that? That the things that look sudden are really not sudden. You suddenly saw it, but it didn't suddenly happen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. There, there, there are some things that happen suddenly, but I realized that the, really the lasting breakthroughs don't happen suddenly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The, the real substantial uh, change-your-life breakthroughs don't happen suddenly. They, they happen with process. Sometimes they look sudden. Because you saw it suddenly. 
but it happened at midnight. Something happened at midnight. And I know it can be fun to talk about the morning. And that's a different preaching. Maybe we'll preach it before we get done with the series. But I want to take a moment and talk about what happened at midnight. Because what happened at midnight is what set up the morning. And, I, and maybe that's somebody's word. That everything that happened in your night is setting up your morning. Tell your neighbor, says a setup. Because God will use all things. God's not even afraid to use the darkness to camouflage his workings in your life. And so, so let's talk about what happened at midnight. Ruth, in following, let me see, give me time, okay. I'm going to get you out on time because I know for sure I'm not going to finish this Sunday anyway. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stretch, stretch it out. I'm just going to stop when I have, I'll just stop when there's no more time. Is that okay? I'm going to come back next week for it. Uh, Ruth is following the directions of Naomi. And Ruth, uh, she, 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 sort of, she, she notes the place where Boaz lays down. And soon after it, she goes and she lays herself down at the feet of Boaz. And she waits. She does not really know how long she has to wait. But she lays down. And she waits. But it's funny what the instructions that Naomi gave to Ruth. He says, she says, she says, she tells her, she tells her, go note the place where he lays down. And then you will go lay down. And then he will tell you what to do. And as I was reading that, I realized that Naomi left some information out. Right? You know what she left out? She didn't say anything about waiting. She didn't say anything about the wait. She, 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 she said, note the place where he lays, go lay down, and then he will tell you what to do. So it's one, two, three. Right? That's the, that's the way it seems that the, the progression of things. One, two, three. But it wasn't one, two, three. It was one, two. Two. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how long that two was. But, but she had to wait for the three. And somehow no one tells you about the wait. They, they always leave that part out. Uh, again, maybe, I don't know, maybe it just doesn't make for good preaching. That, 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 that maybe Naomi was a preacher and, and, she, and she wanted to get a good, strong amen from Ruth. So, so she, 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 did, she didn't say, well, praise God, God is going to bless you, but you're going to have to wait. No, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> no, you want to go one, two, three. Hallelujah. Yeah. Right? One, two, three. That's what we want. That's what we want. One, two, three. We, we don't, we, but, and so we, we, we leave out, we don't talk about the weight. Because, because I mean, how do, you, how do you preach about the weight? Because it's just silence. Because that's all you're doing is waiting. But, but, but no, one, no one really tells us about the weight. Even sometimes God doesn't tell us about the weight. 
because he knows, how, he knows our nature, that we don't like waiting. <laughs> Especially in our generation, you don't like waiting. I, I, I always find it funny. I always have to catch myself because sometimes when the Internet's taking too long, you know, and, and it's like the little thing is turning and turning, trying to, trying to get your mail. And, and it's taking, it took 60 seconds for your mail to show. And you're like, oh, come on, pop up. But I, how many of you remember the 14.4 14 14 KB connection with the dial-up? <laughs> Some of you don't even know that sound. <laughs> but that's what the internet sounded back when the internet started in my day. <laughs> and, and, and I remember when they got 56K, and it was like, wow, this is fast. I already have to wait half an hour for my email to show. <laughs> We're talking about 5G now and, and, all, and all this stuff. Back then it was 56KBS per hour. <laughs> and, but we don't like waiting. That's my point. We don't like waiting. And uh, only Jesus was maybe bold enough to talk to us about it a little bit when he gave the, us the parable of the seed. And he, and he talked about in the parable of the seed, uh, the rocky ground. And God, Jesus, he got us to a T. Let me tell you something. It's like he looked in the future and saw us. And, and he said, he said the, 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 the seed that fell on the rocky ground, it says, at once they receive it with joy. In other words, he says, it, it, is, a, it is a revival service at the receiving of the word. And he says, but, he says, the problem is they receive it at once with joy. But it says, they, and this is in Matthew 13, 21. It says, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. In other words, it's insinuating that when the word comes, the word is going to take some time, and you will have to wait on the seed of that word to, for it to bear fruit. And the indictment is, is that even though they're receiving the word, they're not waiting on the word. And just in case no one told you, Ruth's in the house, just in case no one told you, there is a wait. There is a wait. Tell your neighbor and say, there is a wait. There is a wait. There is a wait. And um, let me just get, I can't, I can't pass up that part and not give it a little, little attention. And he, and he says, trouble came because of the word. Did you guys catch that? Trouble came because of the word. So trouble didn't come because the word was false. Trouble came because the word was true. That, that trouble came because of the word. So sometimes when you receive a word from God, don't be surprised if trouble follows the word. Remember when, 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 when Moses went to Pharaoh, and he, when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go so they may worship me. He says, because I, I've, come, I've come to deliver my people. And, 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 and so Pharaoh hears this. And he's listening. He said, I'm not going to let the people go. But on the other end, the Bible says that Pharaoh told the taskmasters, he says, take away the straw 
from them so they won't pay attention to what God is saying over here. So he said, I, I, I want to sway their attention from what God is saying to the trouble. I'll produce trouble to sway the, their focus of attention. And they're in, so they won't invest their attention in the word, but they will invest in the, their attention on the trouble. And as long as I can keep them focused on the trouble, they, they won't pay attention to the word. So trouble did not come because, of, because the word was not true. Trouble came because the word was true. Or let me frame it like this. Trouble did not come because the enemy did not believe your word. Trouble came because the enemy believes your word. If Pharaoh did not believe the word, he would not have attacked the word. But the only reason he attacked the word is because he believed the word. And sometimes, the problem many times is sometimes the enemy believes in God's word more than you believe in God's word. And that's why you're surprised of the trouble. Sometimes the enemy believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Because do you, do you remember when, 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 when Saul was pursuing David? And David was getting confused and he said, why are you pursuing me? He said, what am I? I'm a tick on a dead dog's body. But the problem is, Saul believed in David more than David believed in David. Saul believed the prophecy on David's life more than David believed in the prophecy of David's life. And sometimes the enemy won't attack you according to how you see yourself. The enemy will attack you based on according to what God has declared and called you to be. And sometimes you're confused at the attack of the enemy, but sometimes the measure of the attack is the measure of, how, is the, measure of the scale of God's purpose and promise in your life. So sometimes the enemy's attack in your life is a compliment to your prophecy. And I'm done with that. And I think that's really relevant also for what we're going through right now. The, 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 the attack is not coming because the word that God's been declaring to us in this season is false. The word is not coming because it's false. Trouble came because of the word. I'm tempted to dive into that, but I don't have time to do that. And so, this is the challenge because the wait, the waiting, so can, can, the longer you wait, you, you run the risk of losing perspective on what you're waiting on. That, that's sort of what happened even to Israel. They, 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 in fact, they went to Pharaoh and said, what's going on? Why are you attacking us? Why, are, why is your taskmasters beating us? And they didn't understand that there was a word. They heard the word. God so, but the trouble and the wait, through that trouble and wait, they lost perspective on what they were waiting on. You lose perspective of what you're waiting on. What did God preach last Sunday? What did he say? See, some of you remember, but a lot of us are like, huh? Last Sunday, he preached for about an hour. I did. It was good, but 
sometimes while you're waiting, in life, in the wait, you lose perspective about what you're waiting on. And, for instance, God comes to Abraham, whose name was Abram at the time, and God makes a covenant with him and promises him a child and the heir from his own body. That was the promise, and God tells him, he takes him outside, the Bible says. I don't know what that looked like, but he says he took him outside or led him outside, and he told him, count the stars, for so shall your offspring be. It was a preaching. And, 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 he, and so he, he's counting, he says, look up and count the stars, and, and then God leaves him. He leaves him, and now when God gave him the promise, he was roughly around between the ages of 80 and 85 years old. When you try to do the math. When God gave him the promise. Which means, really, if, if God fulfilled his promise for him at that time, it would have been a miracle. Okay? Sarah was barren. Okay? She's been barren. And now Sarah's old. He is old. And at this point, if God does it, it's an amazing miracle. But close to 20 years pass. 20 years pass by without God saying another word to him about the promise he gave to him. Abraham is now 99 years old. Nothing has happened. Sarah's womb is still bearing. At some point, they sort of move on. How do I know they moved on? Well, they birth another child. They, they get crafty and say, we got to make something happen for ourselves. And they birth Ishmael. And God gives him the promise and he said, he said if, let Ishmael live, live on your blessing. You see, I moved on, God. That was a good promise then. But in case you didn't know, some t time has passed. Okay? And in fact, even, even the way that God picks up the conversation with Abraham, where he, he, he picks up the conversation like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It, it. It's funny when you read the passage. God speaks like he, he never stopped speaking. He just picks up like Paul's play in the conversation. It's like, it's like God, God was started something there, and it's like God got distracted or something, and he got quiet, then he came back and said, oh, yeah, what I was telling you was. And that's why, because God says, he came to Abraham and says, and I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. You're like, what? what, what, what some time, wh where is this coming from? What are you talking about? <laughs> See, 20 years have passed. And I said this all to say this. 20 years have passed. And after years, Abraham moved on. But though Abraham moved on, God had not moved on. God was still fastened to the promise that he gave to Abraham's life. And see, for most of us, forget 20 years, some of us move on right after we leave the church parking lot. We moved on to lunch. But understand, when, that, when God speaks in your life, he doesn't just speak so I have something to preach on Sunday morning. He doesn't just preach to, to give us a good service and so we can go out feeling encouraged. And that's, that's great that we can feel encouraged, but that's not the real reason God speaks. Because when God speaks, he, he speaks because he intends the act. That's why in Numbers 23, 19, he says, God is not a man. God is not a preacher who just hypes you up for Sunday morning service. 
in, in, in creates a series so you can get, get excited and make sure that you come. No, he says he's not a man that, you should, that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Whew. I'll come back to that in a second. Does he speak and, not, and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? In other words, God is resolute about his promise in your life. Abraham, just because we see some time pass by, does not mean that God has changed his mind. Tell your neighbor and say, God has not changed his mind. He has not changed his mind. God said, I'm not, I did not change my mind. When I told you that I was going to make your seed like the stars, I did not change my mind. I did not change. Tell you, help me preach to your neighbor and, and, and help me convince them and tell them God has not changed his mind. I don't know what he promised you five, five minutes ago, five months ago, five years ago, 25 years ago. God has not changed his mind. He is committed today as the day he spoke his word. God has not changed his mind. God was not mistaken when he gave you the promise. There is no expiration date upon his promise in your life. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall remain forever. God said, God said, just because you see the grass wither does not mean my promises have withered in your life. I have not changed my mind. Just because you see the flowers fade does not mean my, promise, my promises have fade. I have not changed my mind. Abraham, you are looking at yourself in the mirror, and the Bible says that he saw that his body was getting worse and worse and worse. The condition was getting worse and worse and worse. But even though the condition was changing, God said, just because you see the condition change does not mean that I've changed my mind. Tell your neighbor and tell them God has not changed his mind. Yeah, yeah, God, God, God's mind does not change with the condition. God's mind does not change with the condition. I want to say that one more time. God's mind does not change with the condition. God has not changed his mind. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth may pass away. But he says, my, my word remains forever. His word in your life is timeless. It knows no end. It knows no time. So how could we move away from his word so quickly? God has not changed his mind. He has not changed his mind. And that was the indictment. That was his indictment against the seed. He said it fell away. You fell away too quickly from it. Because I didn't change my mind. I didn't change my mind. The issue is you, you moved on. I didn't move on. You fell away. I didn't fall away. I'm, I'm right here with my word. I'm right here to fulfill my word in your life. I have not changed my mind. And, and I'm gonna, I'll stop here. In fact, let's just rise on our feet. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much finished. Hallelujah. I think Naomi... She didn't, maybe, maybe she didn't tell Ruth about the weight. Because, it's because she knew that the weight did not have a bearing upon the promise. The weight did not have the bearing 
to change what God was going to do. God was going to do it. And so she, she tells Ruth, she says, note the place where he lies and lay there. Don't move from that place. Don't fall away from that place. If it takes all night, don't fall away from that place. Stay there because he will answer you. He will answer you. He will answer. Naomi said he's going to answer. Note the place where he lies. Note the place where he speaks. Stay there. Root yourself there. And, and maybe this, and I, and I said everything that I said now in principle truth. But what I feel in my spirit is this. Ruth was laying there, and it was night. She's looking at him, and, and, and she sees he's asleep. He's asleep. And, and if I were Ruth looking at Boaz at that moment, I would say I would have to conclude, well, this is going to be a long night because obviously I'm not going to have words with him until morning. And I would probably hunker in for the long haul. But the Bible says that somehow at midnight, he was startled by something. Something pricked him. Something awoke him. And he turned and awoke at an odd hour. He wasn't supposed to wake up till morning. But he woke up in an odd hour. And he woke up at midnight. And I'm here to tell you that it's not going to take as long as you think it's going to take. It's not going to take the length of time that you think it's going to take. Because God is already moving. The wind is already blowing. It, it, I'm here to let you know that God is about to do something at midnight. I said, God is about to do something at midnight. Father God, we thank you right now, my God. We thank you right now, my God. Huh. Lord God, I thank you right now, my God, for the midnight move, my God. My God, it, it, it feels like we're in the middle of a darkness right now. But I thank you, my God, that you are the God who is well able, my God to move at midnight, my God, to stir things up at midnight, to turn things around at midnight, my God. We thank you, my God, that we, we, we serve a God where we don't have to always wait into morning, my God, that you are God that not only works in the morning, my God, but you are the God who works at midnight, my God. And we thank you, my God, for what is happening right now. We thank you for what is happening right now in our midnight. Can, can, I, can, 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 I, can we do something? Based on the testimony that we heard earlier, where the Bible says that God was driving the waters back all night long. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. If they listened, they could have heard it, but they couldn't see it. And I feel that God is doing things. He is moving. You may not see it, but I'm here. But there is such a testimony in my soul that he's driving it back. He's driving the waters back. Can we just give a 60-second praise for what you don't see? For what you don't see him doing.
yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise him. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, my God. We thank you for what happened at midnight. We give you the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. to move on but I hear the wind blowing yeah thank you Holy Spirit